This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. My name is Dustin Smith, and as always, I will be your host. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This week, we will have episode 215 entitled, The Misunderstanding About Abraham Seeing Jesus' Day in John chapter 8. Yes, we have been moving through John chapter 8 and the entirety of the Gospel of John looking at the theme of misunderstanding. Now, this is the first episode within this series. It is vitally important for you to understand what the Johannine theme of misunderstanding is as it appears within the fourth gospel, the Gospel of John. So the theme of misunderstanding, which is a prominent literary device, works like this. First, Jesus is going to make an ambiguous statement. Second, the conversation partner is going to misunderstand what Jesus said, either by interpreting it literally or by asking an inappropriate question. Third, Either the narrator or Jesus explain what Jesus actually meant. So in this week's episode, we're going to look at the conclusion of John chapter 8. And remember that John chapter 8 is the chapter with the highest frequency of misunderstandings in the entirety of the Gospel of John. We've already noticed quite a few in our most recent episodes. Today's passage, which is John chapter 8, verses 56 through 59, is heavily disputed by interpreters of the Bible for two primary reasons. First, many interpreters think that Jesus is going to make a claim to be the divine I am figure within this passage, particularly in John 8, 58. And this, of course, would be the I Am figure, which is the God of Israel, as depicted in the Old Testament. So that is the first heavily disputed point. The second disputed point is that when Jesus claims to be before Abraham was born, this seems to be a reference to pre-existence. So what does Jesus mean when he says that I am? Is it better to understand Jesus as claiming to be I am, or is he saying I am he? And if so, what does he mean by that particular claim? How are we to understand the reference to being before Abraham was born? Is there more than one way to understand the nature of Jewish preexistence? And importantly, how does the theme of misunderstanding help us to better understand Jesus' response to the Jews? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is looking at Abraham seeing the day of Messiah. So we'll read our passage, and then we can come back and break it down and look at the passage within its details. So starting in John chapter 8, I'll read verse 56. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, 
and he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Therefore they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. That's John chapter 8, verses 56 through 59. I think there are a few key points that we can look at before we dive deeper into the theme of misunderstanding involving the Jews and what Jesus had originally said and how Jesus responds to their misunderstanding. So the first point that I would note is that this particular discussion concludes the long dialogue that has been taking place between Jesus and the Jews that extends all the way back to the middle of John chapter 7. So this has been going on for a long time, halfway through chapter 7 and then all the way through chapter 8. And as we can see pretty clearly with the conclusion of this passage, the dialogue between Jesus and the Jews did not end peacefully. The Jews attempt to stone Jesus and Jesus has to go into seclusion and exit the temple. Now, while the Jews have claimed throughout John chapter 8 that Abraham was their father from the perspective of biological descent, Abraham was their forefather, Abraham was their patriarch, Jesus has argued that true sonship, what it truly means to be a son of Abraham, involves both physical descent and imitated behavior. So physical descent and imitated behavior. And while Jesus points out that Abraham demonstrated the behavior of rejoicing to see Jesus' day, the Jews are not imitating Abraham's behavior. In fact, they want to do the opposite. They want to stone Jesus. They're not rejoicing to see Jesus' day. They want to kill him. They want to murder him, just as the story concludes. So while the sonship that is genuine, according to Jesus, which involves both physical descent from Abraham, which Jesus acknowledges, as well as imitation of behavior, the Jews with their own behavior nullify their claim to being true sons of Abraham. Jesus, on the other hand, has demonstrated that as the Son of God, as the Messiah, Jesus is claiming that descent from God, and also he is claiming to imitate God's behavior. So let's move a little bit closer and look at the theme of misunderstanding. This is our second point, which is a detailed look at the theme of misunderstanding involving Jesus' day. Now, the details in this passage are very, very important, and interpretations that come up short tend to overlook and not take seriously the important details of this passage. So let's look at the first part of the theme of misunderstanding to where Jesus is going to make an ambiguous statement. We can see this taking place in chapter 8, verse 56. Here Jesus says that your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it, that is Abraham saw Jesus' day, and Abraham was glad. 
So Jesus is pointing out here, and this is very important, that Abraham saw Jesus' day. Abraham didn't see Jesus, per se, but Abraham saw Jesus' day. Abraham saw Jesus' day, the day of Jesus, the day of the Messiah. Now, there was a lot of Jewish speculation in the extra-biblical literature surrounding the topic of God revealing the end times to Abraham. And, of course, if God is revealing the end times to Abraham, that would involve God revealing the role of the Messiah within the end times to Abraham. So let me give you a couple of passages to make this particular point. In 4th Ezra, which was a late 1st century AD Jewish document, chapter 3, verse 14, it says that God loved Abraham, and to him alone God revealed the end of the times secretly by night. So there were Jews that were speculating here that God had this intimate relationship with Abraham and that God had revealed the end times to Abraham. Another passage, Genesis Rabbah, chapter 44, verse 22, shows how the Jewish rabbis were debating and understanding the intention of the passages where God is speaking to Abraham in the book of Genesis. So, particularly commenting on Genesis 15, verse 18, Yohanan ben Sakai and Rabbi Akiba are in a disagreement. The former, Yohanan ben Sakai, maintains that God revealed this world, but not the next world, to Abraham, but the latter, Rabbi Akiba contends that God revealed to Abraham both this world and the next. So we can see that various Jews were dialoguing on this particular point. Some were saying that God did reveal this world and the next, and others were saying, no, it was just this particular world. That passage in Genesis 15 verse 18 says in the Hebrew that God has already given this land to Abraham's family, to Abraham's descendants. And so that's why the fact of that guaranteed promise that is already spoken of as having already come to completion was understood in the sense of God has already planned within his purposes to give the land, the entire world, to Abraham and Abraham's family, which of course would involve the Messiah, who is going to be the king and the Davidic ruler of this world. Now, since this speculation, of course, is coming on the passages in Genesis where Abraham appears, I think it's good to look at a biblical passage that seems to talk about this. It doesn't really help us to only look at the extra biblical references. I do think that there are some biblical references. So in Genesis 17, verse 6, God says to Abraham that I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings will come forth from you. Kings will come forth from Abraham. Of course, we know that those kings include the massive Jewish Davidic dynasty involving David and all of David's descendants, and the son of David, the ultimate son of David, is to be the Messiah. 
So David is to descend from Abraham. The Messiah is to descend from Abraham. And so here we have a biblical passage to where effectively God is telling Abraham that the Messiah is going to come forth from him. And this, of course, would make Abraham rejoice. So to say that Abraham saw the day of the Messiah, as Jesus is indicating in John 8:56, this is not controversial, nor is this blasphemous. There's nothing wrong with Jesus saying that Abraham saw the Messiah's day. There are a lot of Jews that were making this particular point. It was somewhat debated, but it was not considered blasphemous or misleading. The issue was that Jesus was claiming to be that very Messiah. That's what the issue was. And the Jews, in John chapter 8, think that Jesus is a false Messiah, a messianic pretender, someone with a demon, perhaps even a Samaritan. And so for Jesus to suggest that he is this Messiah, when they think that he is a messianic pretender, that is what is controversial and blasphemous. The problem is not saying that Abraham saw the Messiah's day. That was not controversial. For Jesus to claim to be that Messiah, that is the issue with which the Jews have contention. And of course, to falsely claim to be the Messiah is as if you are being a false prophet, and the penalty for being a false prophet that misleads the people is stoning. And that's why they pick up stones to stone him. So that is the first part of the theme of misunderstanding. Jesus makes a statement, an ambiguous statement. Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Now we have to look at how the Jews respond to this. So the second part of the theme of misunderstanding is that the conversation partner misunderstands it, either by interpreting it literally or asking an inappropriate question. And it's going to be very clear here that the Jews are going to ask a very inappropriate question. So in chapter 8, verse 57, the Jews said to Jesus, You are not yet 50 years old, and you have seen Abraham? Now, there is a clear mishearing of Jesus in this passage. Jesus said, in verse 56, that Abraham saw Jesus' day. But the Jews think that Jesus said that he has seen Abraham. I mean, the Jews are obviously not tracking with Jesus, and they are not hearing him closely. They are way off. I mean, it's not even close. And the reader of the narrative surely notices this particular response by the Jews, and it demonstrates a failure to listen to Jesus on a fundamental level. Now, this was already discernible in the previous misunderstanding, as we pointed out in last week's episode, where the Jews hear Jesus and they change the words that Jesus said, and they repeat those changed words to Jesus. It was a slight change, but it demonstrated that their ability to accurately listen to Jesus was already slipping. And in this week's episode, it's clear with the response by the Jews that they are continuing to slip in a way that demonstrates their lack of ability to 
follow Jesus' argument and to listen to him closely. Surely the reader is able to read Jesus and to understand what Jesus says. And when they see how the Jews respond, they note that the Jews are quite off the rails. Moreover, there have been several misunderstandings on the part of Jesus' Jewish interlocutors within this chapter. And so this final one that we're seeing in chapter 8, verse 57, indicates that things are getting worse. They're not getting better. They're not growing in their understanding. They're not coming to a better grasp of what Jesus is saying. Things are going in the wrong direction very fast. Now, it is extremely important that we clarify the misunderstanding. And this is extremely important for us to have a grasp on. So the Jews think that Jesus has seen Abraham. And this, of course, would suggest that Jesus is very old, as old as Abraham, maybe older. And too often, interpreters of John chapter 8 look at what Jesus says in the next verse, in John 8, 58, and they assume that the Jews are not misunderstanding Jesus, but they are correctly stating that Jesus saw Abraham, which would make Jesus someone very old and very ancient. And this, I suggest, is a failure to grasp the theme of misunderstanding in the Gospel of John. The Jews misunderstand Jesus, that is clear. Their misunderstanding is to suggest that Jesus is very old and that Jesus has seen Abraham. So that, because it's a misunderstanding, cannot be what Jesus actually means. And so when we go and we interpret the third part of the theme of misunderstanding, where Jesus clarifies what he means in verse 58, our conclusion cannot be that the Jews were correct. Our interpretation cannot be that Jesus actually did see Abraham and that Jesus actually is as old as Abraham, if not older. Jesus cannot be an ancient person. That would be to misunderstand Jesus in the same way that the Jews misunderstood Jesus. So it's very important that we understand the theme of misunderstanding in this particular passage, and we don't make the same mistake that the Jews make. We don't interpret Jesus as saying something that agrees with the Jews who are clearly misunderstood. The third part of the theme of misunderstanding has Jesus clarifying the misunderstanding, not agreeing with the misunderstanding. So let's move us to this third part. This is in John 8:58. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Or it could be translated, I am he. In fact, many scholars have argued that it should be translated, I am he, because you have to add a predicate. You can't just sit there and say, I am, without saying what or who you actually are. So I think it should be translated, I am he. And let's talk about this particular point, because there are really two aspects of this verse that are controversial. What Jesus is actually claiming with the I am phrase, and then the issue of Jesus being before Abraham was born. So let's look at what Jesus says, the I am statement. I think this is the reference to I am he, 
which is a reference to being the Messiah. We pointed this out over and over and over when it has shown up in our passage in John chapter 8. It has appeared three other times in 8 verse 18, in 8 24, and in 8 28. And of course, this is not the first time in the Gospel of John that Jesus has claimed to be I am in a way that clearly indicates to be the Messiah. The very first occurrence, which I think is fundamental for establishing the meaning of this particular phrase, goes back to Jesus speaking to the Samaritan woman. In John 4, verse 25, the Samaritan woman says to Jesus, I know that Messiah is coming. And Jesus responds by saying, I, who am speaking to you, am he. Using the same phrase here in Greek, ego me. She says, I know that Messiah is coming. Jesus says, I am he, the one speaking to you. I am the Messiah. So the phrase, I am he, used by Jesus, is a reference to being the Messiah, the Christ the anointed king of God's kingdom, and the son of God. Now, nowhere in the previous mentionings by Jesus in John chapter 8, where he said, I am he, was he understood by the Jews as making a divine claim, making a claim to be this divine I am figure from the Old Testament. They never think that Jesus is saying that. If they did, they would have picked up stones to stone him and accuse him of claiming to actually being a divine figure, which would be absolutely shocking and radical. But they don't interpret him as saying that. They interpret him as just making this basic claim of self-reference. I am he. I am the one. And in fact, in one particular occasion, in John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am he, and the Jews respond by saying, who are you? That's in 8 verse 25. It's as if Jesus is making this self-declaration, I am he, I am the one, it is I, and the Jews are like, okay, well, who, who are you? Clearly, they don't hear Jesus as making this divine claim to be the one God of Israel, the divine I am figure from the Old Testament. That's not how Jesus was speaking. In the other three references in chapter 8, and it's unlikely that's what Jesus is claiming here. So we have evidence to show what it actually means, and we have the logic that the person who has anointed by God, the Christ, the Messiah, is to be distinguished from that God who anoints. And so Jesus is claiming to be, I am he, I am the Messiah, I am the Christ. He's not claiming to be the divine I am figure from the Old Testament. Another point is that the divine I am figure, egoimi, is by definition a single person. Because the Greek egoimi, ego is the first person pronoun, indicating a single person, and me is the verb to be and the first person singular. So the divine I am figure, whoever that is, is one person. It's not three persons. It's not a reference to a supposed triune God. It is only one person, and that person is the Father, the Father alone. And so Jesus is not claiming to be the Father. He's not saying, I am, I am he, 
in reference to the divine I am figure of the Old Testament, who is one person, namely the Father alone. Jesus is not claiming to be the Father. The Father is the shared God of Jesus and the Jews. Jesus says the Father is the God of the Jews. He actually agrees with the Jews on this particular point. So he's not claiming to be the Father. That would be very silly. So there are a lot of interpreters that think that Jesus is claiming to be this I am figure, acknowledging that God is also an I am figure, but they don't realize that I am is a singular reference, and by Jesus claiming this, he would be claiming to be the Father. I don't think that's the conclusion that they want to draw, but that is the direction uh, in which the evidence would point if they are going to make that suggestion. But I think that since Jesus already claimed that the phrase I am is a reference to the Messiah in multiple places in chapter 8, and clearly in chapter 4, verse 26, that is the better direction to go. So that deals with the phrase I am or I am he. Let's look at the issue of Abraham. Before Abraham was born. That is a good translation of this particular passage. There have been some biblical Unitarians who don't want to accept the reality of what this passage says. And they've tried to go around and to retranslate this and to make it say something different in ways that don't stand up to scrutiny and are not very convincing. We need to accept what the Greek says. And Jesus is speaking here about being before Abraham was born. Now, we have to remember the theme of misunderstanding. The Jews thought that Jesus saw Abraham. That is not what Jesus said. And the theme of misunderstanding, time and time again, has demonstrated that the dialogue partners of Jesus have incorrectly heard what Jesus said. They thought that Jesus saw Abraham. So to interpret Jesus as if the Jews are correct, namely, as if Jesus actually has seen Abraham in a manner that would make Jesus over a thousand years old, would be to fundamentally ignore the theme of misunderstanding. And there are a lot of interpreters that interpret Jesus here in John 8:58 as if he is actually saying that he existed consciously before Abraham, and thereby that Jesus did see Abraham. That is to miss the theme of misunderstanding. That is to misunderstand the theme of misunderstanding, which is quite sad. Now, I do think that this passage is saying that Jesus was before Abraham. This was a sense of preexistence. However, it is extremely important to note that Judaism knew of two different types of preexistence. A literal preexistence and a notional preexistence within God's mind, God's plans, and God's purposes. Now, it doesn't do us any good to just pick the one that suits our own theology and to assume that all of the readers should adopt whatever we think works. We have to look at how human beings were spoken about in regard to preexistence within Judaism and particularly how the Messiah was described in terms of preexistence. So let's look at some Jewish texts that talk about this particular point. In Genesis Rabbah, and we've already mentioned it earlier, I want to look at a very, very important passage. Genesis Rabbah, chapter 1, 
verse 4. This Genesis Rabbah, by the way, is a uh, Jewish commentary on the book of Genesis. So this passage says that six things preceded the creation of the world. Some of them were actually created while the creation of others was already contemplated. I'm going to stop right there before I read the passage any further. Here it's going to talk about six things that were before the act of God creating the world, but the writer makes a distinguishing... I'm going to back that up. But the writer makes a distinction between things that are actually created and things that are contemplated. In other words, things that actually were pre-existing in a real way and things that were just contemplated within God's plans and purposes. So let's look at these things. I'm going to continue reading the passage. The Torah and the throne of glory were created. And then it goes and it gives a passage from the Hebrew Bible to indicate those particular points. The creation of the patriarchs was contemplated. And then it gives a passage to indicate that particular point. The creation of Israel was contemplated. And it offers a passage to prove that point. The creation of the temple was contemplated, offering a passage on that point. And then the name of Messiah was contemplated. And then it gives Psalm 72:17 as proof of that particular point. And that's the end of the passage. Now, what we can learn from this Jewish passage is that preexistence was understood in two different ways. There were lots of things, six things in particular, that were thought of as before the creation of the world. Some of them were already created and others were contemplated. And you'll notice that some human beings are mentioned as preceding the creation of the world in this list of things that pre-exist. We see the patriarchs, we see Israel as a nation, and we can also see the Messiah, but it's actually talked about the name of the Messiah. And while the Torah and the throne of glory were actually created, they actually literally pre-existed. The patriarchs, Israel, and the name of the Messiah were contemplated. They pre-existed, but pre-existed in God's contemplations, in God's mind, in God's plans, in God's purposes. So human beings could pre-exist, but they pre-existed in God's mind, plans, and purposes, notional pre-existence in God's contemplations. So to say that Jesus was before Abraham would have been understood by Jews as the Messiah who was contemplated before the creation of the world, not physically existing, not consciously existing, not consciously pre-existing the creation of the world and before Abraham, but in God's mind, in his contemplations. And that's very important. Another passage indicates in the Testament of Moses, chapter 1, verse 13 through 14, where Moses is said to say that God did design and devise me, Moses, and who prepared me from the beginning of the world to be the mediator of his covenant. So here we can see the Jewish writer saying that God designed and devised Moses, and Moses was prepared from the beginning of the world. That's a pre-existence of Moses, 
but it was in God's designs, in God's mind, in God's preparations. Not a consciously living and breathing and thinking Moses figure. In the Babylonian Talmud, in a couple of places, in Pesharim 54a and Nedarim 39b, we could see that there were things that were created before the world, and one of them was the name of the Messiah. Not the Messiah per se, but the Messiah's name. And we've already seen that particular phrase, the name of the Messiah, in our earlier passage in Genesis Rabbah, the name of the Messiah, which was contemplated before the creation of the world. So, before Abraham was born, Jesus says, I am he. Before Abraham was born, we know that the name of the Messiah was there in God's contemplations, in God's plans, in God's purposes. And so Jesus is saying, before Abraham was born, I am he. I am that Messiah. And remember that the phrase egoimi in Greek has that pronoun at the beginning of the verb, which is there for emphasis. So it's not just saying that I am he. The stress there is on the first person pronoun. I am he. I am that Messiah. Before Abraham was born, I am he. I am that Messiah whose name was before Abraham. And of course, the Messiah is naturally greater than Abraham, the king of God's kingdom, the savior of the Jewish race, is of course going to be greater than the patriarch Abraham. And of course, the Jews who think that Jesus is falsely claiming to be the Messiah, they pick up stones to stone him, and Jesus, who knew that his death was to come about by being lifted up on a cross, not by stoning, went into hiding and seclusion. So I think the important takeaway from today's passage is that we have to acknowledge the theme of misunderstanding. The theme of misunderstanding as Jesus making a claim, the dialogue partners misunderstanding Jesus, and Jesus clarifying that. But if they misunderstood Jesus by saying that, oh, you saw Abraham, that's a misunderstanding. Jesus' clarification can't be, I consciously existed prior to Abraham, and yes, I did see him. That would be to forget the theme of misunderstanding and to drastically misunderstand it at the most fundamental level. So I think that instead of a conscious preexistence being described here in John 8:58, I think it is a notional preexistence, which we have in extra-biblical literature and we have in biblical literature, 1 Peter 1:20. Revelation 13, 8, Acts 2, 22 through 23, and a variety of other passages to where the Messiah was in God's plans and foreknowledge and purposes. That is a better way, I think, to make sense of John 8, 58. And of course, Jesus is claiming to be the Messiah, and the Jews do not believe Jesus to be the Messiah, and thereby they pick up stones to stone him. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Please join us next week as we finally move out of John chapter 8. And we move on to the next misunderstanding in the Gospel of John, 
where Jesus is going to speak about his ability to exercise the divine prerogative of offering life. Yes, we're going to move into John chapter 11, where Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead. There are a few misunderstandings in this chapter, and we're going to look at all of them. Please look forward to our next episode. Now, if you enjoy our podcast, please consider supporting us as we promote the important truths about the oneness and unity of God and the humanity of Jesus. If you'd like to offer a donation, you may check us out on PayPal. There is a link in the description of this episode for how you can donate. Biblical Unitarian Podcast is produced and edited by Dustin Williams. I am Dustin Smith, your host. Until next time, you folks, please take care.